Welcome to this APTA podcast. I'm Troy Elliott, and thanks for joining us. At APTA, we devote a lot of time and energy to keeping you up to date on what's happening at the federal level in terms of new laws, regulations, and our advocacy efforts around payment and other issues. So by now, you've probably heard plenty about the Medicare fee schedule, the PTA differential coding edits, SNF and home health payment models, and, and more. And, you know, that's as it should be, because all that stuff is really, really important. But there are other uh, important developments at the state level you should know about, too, not just because they may be happening in your state, but because what's happening in one state could be an inspiration or maybe a warning relative to the possibilities in another state. And these changes to state laws and regulations often have a very direct real world impact on PTs and PTAs. State lawmakers have the power to expand direct access provisions. They can regulate private payer rules and define what PTs and PTAs can and can't do. So it's pretty important to pay attention. And it's especially important in this moment, of course, because legislatures are now or soon will be back in session in many states. APTA state chapters have lined up their advocacy priorities and they're already at work to make them happen. So in this podcast, we're going to take a quick trip around the country to find out what's going on in state level advocacy. And to do that, we'll be turning to APTA Manager of State Affairs, Daniel Markels. Welcome, Daniel. It's good to see you and thanks for taking the time to talk. I'm sure this is a, a busy time of year for you. Yeah, legislatures uh, in, in a, a mar large portion of the country are in session, so uh, we're working with state chapters as they track and advocate on policies that favor the profession. Great. Um, so you were kind enough to help uh, prepare for this podcast by listing some of the major issues that are surfacing at the state level, so let's just dive right in. First, a movement that's continuing to grow, the physical therapy compact system. Now, for those of you unfamiliar, that's the system that allows PTs and PTAs who are licensed in one compact state to obtain practice privileges in other compact states. Um, it's really a potential game changer for the profession in terms of mobility. And of course, the pandemic has only served to highlight the need for providers to, uh, to be able to treat patients in need wherever they are. Um, but signing onto the compact requires state legislative action. So what's happening in that space this year? Yeah, thanks, Troy. So the compact, uh, we've grown since uh, the compact, as many may know, started in 2017 when 10 states initially joined. Um, today, uh, we are up to 33 states plus the District of Columbia that have passed uh, compact legislation. Of those, 25 states are actively issuing compacts. So we have a number of states that have passed the legislation. It's been uh, passed by the legislatures, uh, signed by governors, but it generally takes about eight to 12 months after it is enacted to have those states actually uh, pass, uh, to start uh, approving compact um, privileges. So currently there are um, about 4,200 active compact privileges that could mean probably less people because each compact privilege, if you're in one state, you might get a compact privilege in multiple states. Um, so what, 34, 33 plus the District of Columbia, this year we're uh, hoping to get legislation in, in several more states, including uh, Alaska, Connecticut, Maine, Massachusetts, um, 
Pennsylvania needs to do a cleanup bill as it relates to uh, implementing what they call the uh, FBI background check, something that's required from the compact. Um, but I hope that we get a couple more states. And then in 2023, we have several states that we know are going to introduce legislation uh, then. So, you know, we've gotten what, of 50 plus states, 50 states plus District Columbia, we've gotten, you know, a majority now. Um, some of the states that uh, we're going to have in our view in the future might be harder. Um, but, uh, but our hope is in the next few years to get up to 50 states. That's that's incredible because um, some people may not know the compact idea isn't isn't a brand brand new idea in terms of of uh, regulation and state uh, in professions, but the the gains that physical therapy has made have been pretty fast as these things go. I mean, I think the nurses the nurses started with this compact idea. Wow, a long time ago, and they're still they're still plugging away at it. And um, I think the uh, the growth of uh, the, the the growth the rate of adoption uh, for physical therapy has been has been tremendous. Yeah, the, the nurses um, have had more opposition than the physical therapists have. Um, nurses are unionized, and there's been some opposition from those nurses' unions. Um, the opposition that we've had is generally in states like California. We had a bill, I think it was in 2020, where the legislatures basically feel that they don't want to change some of their standards, which might be required uh, because they think their state has the best standards. But we need to have some form of uniform standards. There can be differences here and there, but uh, some of those states are gonna be uh, harder to get. I would say states like California, uh, potentially Illinois, New York, um, some of the states that uh, that are more hesitant. But we have not had, to your point, uh, the opposition like the uh, some some of the nurses unions have posed. Yeah. So this is a you know this that's an ongoing effort. And you know, uh, speaking of other ongoing advocacy efforts, um, let's talk about direct access. We know that there is now some form of direct access in all states and DC, but we also know that it can take many forms. Um, some are more restrictive than others, as many of us know. So what kind of movement are we seeing this year? Um, yeah, we're gonna have a couple bills uh, on direct access, just so everyone knows to kind of review direct access, which has been a major push of the association for a number of years. Um, there's really three different types as we categorize them in terms of direct access states. We have three states that have limited access, um, those being Alabama, Missouri, and Mississippi. And those are states where you can see a patient, a physical therapist can see a patient without a referral in very limited circumstances, such as you know if they're part of a home health agency and it's uh, part of a, a plan of care that's already been established. Um, the majority of the states have what we call, and those are about 27 states plus the District of Columbia and the Virgin Islands have what we call provisional access. And that means that they can, uh, patients can see physical therapists up to a point. Um, some of the provisions can be, you can see a physical therapist without a referral from a physician up to 30 days or after X number of visits. Um, and then we have 20 states that have uh, 
what we uh, what our ultimate goal is, which is um, uh, unrestricted patient access that you can see a physical therapist without uh, a referral. So in 2022, um, we've been told by chapters to expect legislation uh, in Mississippi, uh, potentially in South Carolina, Alabama, as well as Missouri. So you see three of those states are um, Alabama, Missouri, and Mississippi are states where we have the least amount of access at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I noticed that. And, and when we're talking about expanding direct access, um, the approaches states and chapters take to advocating for these expansions, do, do they vary? Is it a thing where you have to kind of chip, chip, chip away at um, at the direct access provisions, or do um, or do states go big <laughs> and try and and try and get that gold standard of unrestricted right away? Is there a tendency one way or the other? Yeah, as I understand the history, and I've only been at APTA about two years, but from I was talking to my predecessor. Um, one of my predecessors yesterday to get kind of more historical look. And it sounds like it's a little bit of, of uh, you know, probably ends up being chipping away, but sometimes they do ask big. I looked up the bills in Missouri and uh, that have already been introduced in Missouri and Mississippi. And those bills as they currently stand uh, are asking for full direct access, whether they'll get it um, you know, I've been in and around legislation for uh, a number of decades, and I can tell you that, yes, oftentimes you ask big and, uh, and you might get incremental change, but that doesn't mean you can't come back at another time and another day. Um, for instance, Virginia, um, they just passed legislation last year, which expanded um, the referral uh, requirement from 30 days to 60 days, meaning you can see a physical therapist without a referral. It used to be 30 days. Now it's 60 days. You know, we'll see if they, you know, in the future, people get comfortable with that. Then they go for unlimited. It's it's in a way almost similar. Um, that pattern, that path, is almost similar to what we we're talking about before with. Um, with the uh, compact in that the you sort of reach this kind of um, uh, tipping point where you've got so many states that are are, are, are uh, using full unrestricted direct access or so many states that are using the compact that it makes its own case for its effectiveness you know and uh, yeah I, I totally agree and um, yeah as people see that it's working in other states that will help um, in both those respects as it relates to the compact the compact being a little bit different in that, um, you know, direct access states have it as a standalone policy, whereas the compact, uh, you know, if there was only one state in the compact, it would not be very useful. Right. Um, the more states you get, the more utility, for lack of a better word, the compact has. So even in those tough states, like I mentioned, um, that are somewhat skeptical, my hope is once we get into hopefully 40, 43, 44 states, that they'll see the need that they don't want to be one of the only states that's not part of the compact. Right, right. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to uh, head out and check out a few other topics that have really heated up just over the past couple of years, imaging and telehealth. And now for a quick break. Your voice matters. We need your voice on issues affecting our profession and the people you serve. Learn how you can take action today and advocate for your profession by visiting apta.org advocacy. 
And now let's return to the show. We're back. Okay, we've covered the compact. We've covered direct access, which are both, as these things go, fairly long-standing advocacy issues, uh, especially direct access. But let's switch gears a little bit and talk about two issues that have been um, gaining substantially more momentum more recently, which is uh, imaging and telehealth. And we'll start with imaging. So Daniel, what's happening this year in the States with the imaging? Yeah, so imaging is, is really exciting. Um, I've been working closely with the um, APTA imaging SIG that has been working on this issue for a number of years in making the case that physical therapists should be able to order images, whether it be uh, MRIs or um, ultrasound or, um, or x-rays. So currently there are seven states and the District of Columbia that expressly allow some sort of what I call imaging referral. And um, those states have done that through a variety of means. In some cases, it's been through legislation. In other cases, it's been through um, board, PT board regulations or PT board uh, issued opinions. Um, so that's very, that's very exciting. And now just to be clear, most states are silent. Most states do not say one way or the other. So it's not potentially illegal to do it, but it's not, it's not stated expressly. So the imaging SIG and now more chapters working with uh, our department and state affairs has been educating state chapters uh, about potentially looking to get express permission authority to do imaging referral. So last year, uh, we added two more states, those being uh, North Dakota and Rhode Island that actually needed for particular circumstances to pass uh, legislation. This year, we've kind of taken a poll and we're looking at potentially Connecticut introducing legislation. But we hope that more states will do this. And like I said, it doesn't necessarily need to be legislation. It can be policies of the board. Um, in some cases, like in these two states, they, uh, North Dakota and Rhode Island, they only allowed it for x-rays, whereas in other states, such as Colorado, that did it through board policy, they're allowing uh, PTs to refer for MRIs as well. And again, we see this sort of incremental pattern, but any movement, I guess, is, is good news. So um, that the, the improvements are, are great. Um, another a hot issue, of course, is telehealth for PTs and PTAs, and um, that's been at the forefront at both the state and the federal levels, as many of us know, uh, largely due to the pressures of the pandemic and the public health emergency. Uh, what are we seeing in the states in that space? Um, I started this job uh, with APTA in, let's see, November of 2019. And I knew that telehealth was kind of on the radar, but not to the extent that it has been because of what happened starting really in March when everything shut down. And really the only way to see patients in many cases, not only for physical therapists, but for so many other providers was through the use of telehealth. Now telehealth, at least in practice acts, as, as I was talking about with imaging, generally is silent. Um, historically, it's just not been mentioned. And in talking to colleagues 
um, at the FSBPT, Federation of State Boards of Physical Therapy, um, as they educated me about this, it was really felt that, you know, it didn't necessarily need to be in a practice act, that it's not a treatment, it's not a procedure, it's just a means of doing something. Um, so it doesn't actually have to be in the practice act. Some cases it is. In other cases, um, it can be in other parts of state law. So that did exist as well. But when the pandemic hit, basically there was a lot of emergency orders issued by governors that made explicitly clear that not only PTs, but other professions can use telehealth, at least for the, 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 the duration of the public health emergency. Now, last year, a number of states went in and realizing that these emergency orders are going to end at some point, uh, went in and passed permanent legislation that allows PTs and others to do telehealth. But it's just not allowing them to do telehealth because um, it can be silent. It's also, do you get paid for telehealth? And we came up with model legislation that we circulated among chapters that uh, talked not only about allowing telehealth, but getting paid for it. And that really falls into two different categories. One being what we call coverage parity, meaning if there's a treatment or procedure that uh, is going to be covered by insurance, that if it's going to be covered by in-person, it needs to be covered via telehealth. And then payment parity, which basically means, you know, if you're going to be reimbursed for, if, if an insurance carrier is going to reimburse you for X number of dollars for a certain procedure, it needs to make that uh, the, sa the same for, um, for telehealth. And just to be clear, because some people get confused in terms of, you know, what does the state have the ability to do, especially as it relates to regulating payment? So states basically Im implement, uh, it's, a, it's a joint partnership. They get support from the federal government and they have to comply with rules with the federal government, but they basically administer the state Medicaid programs. And uh, so they have jurisdiction over that. So as these parity laws have come out, they have related to Medicaid. And then the second is commercial insurance, but not all commercial insurance, commercial insurance that the state has jurisdiction over. And that includes generally small group and individual commercial insurance policies. It does not include what we call ERISA exempt plans. ERISA relates to um, a federal law. Basically, those are self-insured plans, larger employers that are operating across state lines um, they, uh, the states don't have ability to regulate those. So to the extent that they are requiring coverage and payment parity, it really falls into potentially two populations of insurance, one for Medicaid, one for um, non-exempt uh, ERISA plans, uh, non-ERISA plans uh, that are generally small group and individual policies. Yeah, so I mean, the, the point being these, this is, again, we mentioned at the at top of this whole podcast about the state changes having some very practical real world effects. And uh, in the telehealth space, I think that's, that's definitely the case. Uh, we also started out the podcast talking about the attention that's being paid to federal advocacy issues in general. And I wanted to kind of circle back to that. Uh, because, you know, much of uh, APTA's federal advocacy program in recent years has been focused on payment issues, 
uh, as CMS continually looks to cut back on Medicare payments, as we all are so painfully aware. Uh, are there similar efforts at the state level to address payment issues for state regulated uh, reimbursements? Um, yes, definitely. And it's becoming um, uh, more so uh, that we're looking at legislation and regulatory advocacy to really help physical therapists uh, get reimbursed and get reimbursed in a timely and fair manner. So let me just run through a couple of things that have been going on and what we see potentially in the future in the, uh, this legislative session and, and hopefully others. Um, and remember, this relates to what the states can regulate, Medicaid and the subset of commercial insurance that I just described. So one of the things that I know a lot of physical therapists uh, get frustrated with is prior authorization, where you can't treat a patient until you get the thumbs up officially from an insurance company. So there's been some legislation, particularly some uh, one bill that was actually followed up by another bill that clarified it to make sure that the insurance companies are held to account and, and actually implement this. But it was in Washington state where they passed a bill requiring payment of up to six physical therapy visits um, before requiring prior authorization. Um, Oregon actually, neighbor to the South, uh, in the last year passed a, a bill that basically, while it doesn't have those strict requirements, it basically is requiring commercial insurers to provide statistics um, and has some other guardrails um, to kind of see you know, what is actually happening with prior authorization? How many are getting approved? How many are getting denied? How long is it taking? Um, so that's one area. Another area relates to co-pays. So there's been a movement over the past couple of years to pass what we call fair copay legislation. And I've reviewed in our archives, we basically have um, about nine states that currently have passed some form of what we call fair copay legislation. Kind of the model is to put in language that says that the copay needs to be um, no more than what it would be for a uh, physician visit uh, for your primary care physician. So we're potentially uh, in polling our chapters gonna see uh, 2022 legislation, the fair copay area, keeping those copays uh, affordable to keep access uh, attainable for people that want to see physical therapists. Because you got to remember that, you know, oftentimes, you know, you might see your primary care physician, you know, once every, once a year, once every few months. Whereas if you're getting therapy, you could be seeing that physical therapist more than once a week, multiple times. So these these copays definitely add up. But 2022, we're looking at potential legislation in, um, in New York, Ohio, and Rhode Island. Um, another area that's kind of creeping up, not as much as these two, but we've seen it at least in, in a state or two, relates to what we call MPPR. That's a, a procedure uh, in, in Medicare. And that's basically stands for multiple procedure payment reduction basically where the first code, if you have a, uh, a patient and they're visiting and you're gonna bill them uh, and treat them with various codes, the first code is reimbursed at 100%. The second code could be reduced uh, as much as 50% or, or 
potentially more than one. So Nebraska actually passed a law in 2021 that prohibits MPPR being used in the state's Medicaid program. And we're kind of monitoring to see if that is gonna be used in either other Medicaid programs or in potentially commercial insurance programs that the states have uh, ability to regulate, but all with the idea that we really feel that you know, physical therapists need to be paid uh, uh, promptly without a lot of administrative burden and, and paid uh, fairly for their services. Amen to that. Uh, and you, thank you so much for all this insight. This has been great. But um, before we let you go, one last question. What can listeners do if they want to get involved in advocacy on any of these issues? Where do, where do you start Like when, you're talk, when we're talking about advocacy at the state level? Sure. Well, the way APTA and the chapters are, are put together is, you know, APTA here in the headquarters in Virginia, where I sit, is responsible for federal advocacy and all of our federal advocacy, obviously, because uh, federal agencies and Congress and the administration are located here in, in the District of Columbia. Very different than state advocacy, where the state chapters really take the lead in advocating in their state capitals. So what I would suggest for folks to do if you're interested in lobbying or getting involved, being on a legislative committee, being a grassroots activist, is to contact your state chapter and they, uh, they can plug you in. There's a lot of need for, you know, grassroots is important. I know people are involved in the grassroots programs for the federal program, but grassroots, I've worked in at the federal level as well as at the state level, and I can tell you the state level Grassroots is just, if not important, uh, as, as important legislators and state legislatures love to hear from their constituents. They listen to stories that people can tell. I always tell people that folks like me that are in the uh, government affairs world or the lobbyists, you know, we have all the studies and all the statistics and, uh, and, that, and that's well and fine. And we need to make those arguments with all that information, but it's sometimes those individual stories that are told that really resonate with, with legislators. If someone can tell a story about a patient that they were seeing. And uh, we also encourage people not only to advocate as PTs, but we try to get the patient and, uh, community involved as well, because ultimately legislators, you know, put foremost, uh, you know, what is best for the patient. So in answer to your question, yes, contact your state chapter and, um, and, and they, uh, they will get you involved. And I'm sure they'll look forward to having more, uh, more people advocating for the issues they're fighting for for each state. Yeah, and, and um, a lot of times the, the, the state chapters come up with some really creative and kind of fun ideas to uh, make their cases uh, when in, in advocacy. It's, um, I've, I've heard of some, some kind, of, kind of cool stuff going on at that level. Uh, and um, like I say, creative ways of grabbing legislate, uh, legislature's uh, attention and things like that. So it yeah, could be know, a good time. Um, we're, we're doing this recording, let's see, on uh, January uh, 20th, 21st. 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 Mm -hmm. um, so there will be a lot of states, some are doing them virtually, but what uh, legislative days where, you know, physical therapists, PTAs, actually a lot of PTA students come to these 
and they come and have programming and they go visit legislators in state capitals. So not sure, you know, in terms of what the exact date is for each state and whether they're doing it this year um, with COVID. But uh, I talked to one state actually uh, just recently, South Carolina, that's going to be doing it. I think on February 9th, they had planned it to be in person. Now it's going to be virtual. But I would encourage people, uh, you know, as an immediate step to contact your chapter and find out if you're having a legislative day at your state capitol and when it is and if you can participate. Yep, and they'll be more than happy to fill you in and, and let you know how you can get involved. So thank you so much, Daniel, for this. Uh, as always, we encourage you to stay in touch with the broader range of issues in advocacy and payment. In addition to um, that comes to you through our weekly email blast that goes out to all members. We try and keep you updated on as many uh, of these issues as we can. We also offer podcasts like this one, APTA live events, webinars, and a host of other resources to help you stay informed. And if you want to tune into all the activity going on in uh, payment and advocacy relative uh, to physical therapy, uh, including lots of these issues that we've talked about today, sign up for our Friday Focus monthly collection of payment-related uh, articles and resources. It's delivered direct to your inbox on the fourth Friday of every month, and it's free. And it's really easy to sign up. Just search for email preferences in the search bar at apta.org and uh, sign up. It's that easy. So thanks again to Daniel Markells, APTA Manager of State Affairs. As a final reminder, be sure to visit APTA.org where you will find advocacy resources and background on many of the issues we've discussed today. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. It's at APTA Tweets. APTA podcasts like this one are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting APTA.org slash podcasts. I'm Troy Elliott, and thanks for listening.